Section 5 of the National Geographic Magazine, Volume 9, December 1898. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Betty B. Geographic Literature Cuba and Puerto Rico with the other islands of the West Indies. Their topography, climate, flora, products, industries, cities, people, political conditions, etc. By Robert T. Hill of the United States Geological Survey. Pages 28 plus 429 with two maps and 79 plates. New York, The Century Company, 1898, $3. This is one of the books of the year. It is made notable by timeliness and still more by breadth of view and strength of grasp. The author is a well-known geologist and geographer, a leading authority on the structure and development of the Antillean region, as well as Central America, Mexico, and Southern United States. Yet this latest publication is his magnum opus and displays his ability to deal with scenic features, social problems, questions of statecraft, historical events, and softer literature no less efficiently than with the technical problems of his special science. The work of the publishers is equally credible. No more tasteful and elegant specimen of bookmaking has ever left the Divin Press and Century House. Most of the abundant illustrations are delicately tooled half-tones, and the cover is a work of art. The lists of contents and illustrations are full, the introduction is germane, and the index is adequate. The first chapter is devoted to the geographic relations of the West Indies, the second to the West Indian waters, including submarine configuration and conditions, the third to the geographic classification of the West Indian islands, and these form an admirable summary of current knowledge illumined and interpreted by personal observation. The fourth chapter is an original description of the Greater Antilles in terms of physical and political characters, with constant reference to natural resources and social conditions. Then come ten chapters on the island of Cuba, depicting the physical features and the climate, flora, and fauna, describing the conditions of health and sanitation, defining the geographic subdivisions, setting forth the resources of the island and the facilities for commerce and transportation, analyzing the population, describing the cities, and discussing the future of the island. These chapters are based chiefly on first-hand knowledge, supplemented by historical and statistical research. They give a remarkably clear picture of the Pearl of the Antilles and her people and bear inherent evidence of fair and dispassionate judgment. In discussing health and sanitation, the author departs from his customary impersonal treatment long enough to offer suggestions which every tropical traveler would do well to note. Three rules I have followed invariably. First, to adapt my habits of dress, food, and hours of work and rest to those of the people of the country. Secondly, never in any circumstances to drink a drop of native water where it could possibly be avoided and if so always to boil it for this purpose i have always carried an alcohol lamp and a tin canteen 
in which when boiled water could not otherwise be obtained i could myself attend to the matter twice when in desperation after tedious exercises i yielded to the temptation of drinking the native water unboiled the results were almost fatal the third rule has been never to linger around the densely crowded and unsanitary areas of cities and always to choose a room facing on the street he also advises against miscellaneous eating of fruits the chapters on the people of cuba and the future of the island are warmed by appreciation of a kindly and hospitable folk despite languorous antecedents and enervating climate have struggled long and shed their blood freely for civil liberty chapters fifteen to nineteen are devoted to the island of puerto rico and present a clear picture of this newly acquired insular territory of the united states then follow three chapters on jamaica the well-ordered island justly considered a model british colony the lively paragraphs enriched by well-chosen incident indicate that while the colony is indeed british the white anglo-saxon nucleus about which the darker plasma flows is very small and albeit effective in governmental control of only moderate influence in shaping the current thought of the prevailing population the jamaica negroes are sui generis nothing like them even of their own race can elsewhere be found not even elsewhere in the west indies the twenty-third chapter describes the much-named island of santo domingo the designation preferred by the author of the old name hispaniola must be abandoned and a chapter is devoted to each of the two republics planted on the island the central body of the antillean group this island is the most striking of all in its culminating altitude in topographic diversity as well as in natural picturesqueness and even more interesting in historical associations the site of the first european colony in the new world the place of introduction of african slavery into america the field of frequent battle and reeking bloodshed the scene of the dark tragedy of toussaint louverture and site of the black republic this miniature continent has played a leading role in the history of several nations as mr hill's pages happily show and has given origin to two of the world's significant experiments in popular government the subject of the twenty-sixth chapter is the bahamas then the lesser antilles including of course storied martinique motherland of josephine and the caribbees the south american islands of trinidad and tobago and curacao and last of all barbados are treated in nine chapters a chapter on the geological features of the west indies cannot fail to attract scientific geographers while the final thirty-seventh and thirty-eighth chapters on race problems in the west indies and on the future of this insular realm are worthy the scrutiny of statesmen the scope of the book cannot better be indicated than by noting that it represents the recent observations and generalizations of a trained geographer expressed in non-technical language that it contains the best account extent of cuba and its people that it embodies the latest and largest accessible information concerning puerto rico that its chapters on jamaica 
form the most convenient description of that island printed on this side of the atlantic that its account of santo domingo and its two republics is the only full and trustworthy one available and finally that the work as a whole is by far the most complete and useful description of the west indies considered collectively issued during recent years indeed it is the only modern handbook of the mid-american isles and the best source of general information concerning each of them members of the national geographic society will feel a direct interest in the book as the work of one of their number and the interest will be the greater in that it took inception in addresses before the society and a widely read paper in the national geographic magazine for may last while there are a few marks of haste in putting the material together e g the misspelling of the name of a surgeon general in body and index the volume conveys the impression of large personal acquaintance with and of mature thought concerning the important subject w j m railway economics by h t newcomb pages one hundred fifty two philadelphia railway world publishing company eighteen ninety eight one dollar into this exceedingly well printed and in every way attractive volume professor h t newcomb whose contributions to periodical literature long ago gained for him an enviable reputation as a clear sound and forcible economic writer especially on railroad subjects has compressed an immense amount of valuable information bearing upon the transportation problem the book is principally devoted to the development classification and analysis of facts concerning railroad rates and rate making and conclusions except those most essential and obvious are left to the reader it is interesting to observe that having approached the subject from the viewpoint of public interest the author's examination of the history and present condition of railroad transportation tends unmistakably to justify the limitation of competition which as between railroads he plainly regards as costly and mischievous j h the philippine islands and their people a record of personal observation and experience with a short summary of the more important facts in the history of the archipelago by dean c worcester assistant professor of zoology university of michigan new york the macmillan company eighteen ninety eight pages nineteen plus five hundred twenty nine with two maps and many illustrations in text this is primarily a book of travel incidentally one of adventure it is enriched by an introductory chapter in which the history of the philippines is summarized and by an appendix of eighteen pages in which the natural resources of the islands are described in such detail as to render this part of the book a standard source of information more comprehensive than any other now available professor worcester first visited the philippines in september eighteen eighty seven as an amateur naturalist attached to a scientific expedition he remained eleven months reaching fifteen of the principal islands his second visit began in july eighteen ninety and extended over more than two years during which period he remained on each of nineteen islands long enough to get a fairly representative collection 
of its birds and mammals the scientific results of his work and that of his companions especially dr frank s borns have been turned over to various scientific institutions notably the u s national museum which now has in press an elaborate report on the ornithology of the island prepared by these naturalists the narrative of the journeys and experiences and the observations on people and things in general are incorporated in the book under notice the graphic paragraphs present a succession of living pictures combining to create realistic impressions concerning the islands and their people and while the story is told in the first person the unaffected language and contagious good humor of the author combine to render it attractive and easy of assimilation passing over fields previously untrodden by the caucasian as he did in different places professor worcester was able to make substantial contributions to different branches of science new waterways were discovered and mapped important details of topography were noted and the distribution of plants and insects as well as of birds was ascertained he was apparently the first white man to visit certain native tribes and one of the first to see the curious and ferocious little wood buffalo the timorau the mythic unicorn cyclops of the mindoro jungles his descriptions of the mangyan and tagbanua tribes are noteworthy contributions to ethnology while his visit to the tall volcano of luzon cannot fail to convey useful impressions to the geologist the chief value of the book to serious students lies in the description of civil misrule under the so-called government and in his accounts of the characteristics of the filipinos the reflections on civil affairs are evidently temperate and carefully guarded indeed no serious criticism is uttered without reference to foreman whose sympathies were with the established church and state for example worcester remarks of the spanish officials they are expected to steal more or less that is what they are there for and they do not hesitate to admit it time and again i have heard them say of themselves when discussing the matter we are a nation of thieves and if i may judge from what i saw myself much might be said in support of this view of the case if peculation becomes too extensive however so that the perquisites of those in high places are interfered with an investigation is ordered but foreman says if the peculations by the government employees from the highest circles downward could be arrested the inhabitants of this colony would doubtless be several millions richer per annum one is frequently hearing of officials leaving for spain with sums far exceeding the total emoluments they have received during their term of office some provincial employees acquire a pernicious habit of annexing what is not theirs by all manner of pretexts to cite one of many instances i knew a governor of negros island who seldom saw a native pass the government house with a good horse without begging it of him thus under fear of his avenging a refusal his subjects furnished him little by little with a large stud which he sold before he left much to their disgust the taxes and the methods of collecting them are atrocious the commandant of panay reconcentrated his people in villages in order to facilitate the collection of taxes 
and he amused himself by riding about the country and firing the houses of those who delayed gathering in the villages designated we one day saw him burn three native huts he gave the inmates no warning but in each case jumped from his horse pulled a bunch of dry grass lighted it and thrust it into the thatch which burned like tinder those within jumped from doors and windows in their haste to escape when a house was completely burned he very courteously suggested that it might be well for its occupants to look for a site in town when ready to rebuild the same commandant had an ingenious device for bringing delinquent taxpayers to terms he caused them to be caught and tied to trees and then set a large and vicious dog on to them and encouraged it to worry them an equally ingenious officer armed his tax gatherers with a sort of cat o nine tails made from vines of the bajuco which are circled at intervals of an inch or two by rings of recurved thorns with these bloody devices the delinquent was lassoed and dragged before the tribunal where he was stripped to the waist extended on a bench and flogged methodically with a rattan which cut the skin and brought blood with each blow we were often forced to witness these cruel whippings during our stay some of the victims lay still and bore their torture in silence others cried out and threw themselves from the bench with every blow if they made too much trouble in this way they were tied in place after the whipping they were shut into the jail beneath the tribunal and kept there until relatives or friends paid their debts if there was too much delay another whipping followed men sometimes died from the effects of these beatings and women were subjected to the same inhuman treatment as men the bajuco itself was sometimes used for flogging but not commonly since the results were too often fatal the taxes so barbarously collected were levied on almost every conceivable form of property or privilege the annual tax for the cedula personal or document of identity varied from fifty cents to twenty five dollars according to the supposed means of the applicant and no person could transact business or travel without such a document coconut trees were subject to an annual tax of five cents and a tax was required for the license to run the oil press for extracting value from the ripe coconuts the producer had to pay for a license to sell his bananas or rice or milk the owner could not kill his buffalo or his hog for needed meat without a tax of two to four dollars he could not even fell a tree on his own homestead without paying for the privilege it must be remembered that a man's wages are frequently not more than five or ten cents per day that a large majority of the people cannot get work at any price and that the taxes are not the whole story for the village friar is yet to be reckoned with and he has ways of his own for relieving his parishioners of their pence sometimes the friars were kindly and generous but so many were otherwise as to lower the average and apparently more than nullify the occasional benefit of their presence their charges for marriage were so extortionate as to give rise to a widespread and almost necessary custom of dispensing with it the minimum charge for burial in masbate was fifty dollars 
or seventy-five if a coffin was used, which itself was sold by the priest at a good price. One padre was not content with prohibiting the burial in holy ground of bodies whose family could not pay the charges, but caused them to be exposed on the trees about the village square, where they were left to the tender mercies of carrion-eating birds until such time as relatives or friends compensated the holy father in advance for his services on the whole it seems evident that the civil conditions in the island have been such as to check progress to prevent industrial development and to render miserable the lives of the people referring to the people themselves professor worcester says the writers in our current literature who lump the whole population of the philippines as barbarians and savages are grossly in error in addition to the caucasians chinese and a few japanese there are more than eighty distinct tribes conveniently grouped as negritos pagan malays mohammedan malays and civilized malays the negritos are rapidly disappearing and seem destined to speedy extinction the pagan malays comprise the important tribes of aborigines retaining primitive characteristics some of them are savage in disposition and are given to head-hunting and other bloodthirsty customs though most are harmless and docile and eminently susceptible to civilization the mohammedan malays or moro retain diverse traits of savagery some of them intensified by the fanaticism of a barbaric religion the most obnoxious of them are the juramendatos who having taken oath to die killing christians as the price of eternal glory arm themselves enter the nearest town and run amuck among the residents slaying every living being within reach until themselves slain but even these people yield to wise government combining justice and firmness as shown by the success of general arolas in dealing with them the civilized malays are hospitable cheerful fairly honest according to their lights self-respecting genial and notably ready to tolerate judicious government most of them are constitutionally indolent though in those islands in which hard natural conditions make it difficult to earn a livelihood they are noted for their industry yet it is not to be forgotten that they are primitive people without the strong hereditary character of civilized and enlightened men i e in the words of an observing priest they are big children who must be treated like little ones the book is rather sumptuous printed on thick paper in large type composed in england judging from the labored orthography supplied with a good map and illustrated with excellent half-tone reproductions of the author's photographs w j m volcanoes of north america a reading lesson for students of geography and geology by israel c russell professor of geology in the university of michigan etc pages fourteen plus three hundred forty six with maps and illustrations new york the macmillan company eighteen ninety seven one dollar it is gratifying to note that after many years of ultra specialization a geologist and geographer has undertaken the task of summing up the knowledge of the broader features of our continent in this work professor russell has presented a summary 
of the distribution of the volcanoes living and extinct of the north american continent and has succeeded in producing a readable and admirable volume the first quarter of the book is devoted to a discussion of the characteristics of volcanoes in general dealing with the types of volcanic eruptions the nature of the ejecta the life history of eruptions the geomorphology of volcanic forms subterranean intrusions of igneous rocks and classification of igneous rocks based upon mineral characters while these subjects are ably treated by professor russell and would well become a textbook of geology we cannot but begrudge the valuable space they occupy which later necessitated a condensation of his descriptions of the volcanoes themselves it is also regrettable that the author in illustrating the character of volcanic action should have used so many foreign examples when abundant material could be found at home he need not have gone outside of north america and the adjacent hawaiian and west india islands to have found illustrations of every known type of volcanic activity and productivity we doubt if even the explosion of krakatoa itself which the author so freely cites much exceeded in wide-reaching effect the tremendous catastrophe of Mourne-Garon, st vincent in eighteen twelve which affected american geography from chile to new madrid destroying many cities notably caracas in the mud craterlets of the sonoran coastal deserts the frequently active colima of southern mexico the numerous active volcanoes of central america and the volcanoes of the aleutian and hawaiian islands the author could have found abundant illustrations of all known volcanic phenomena following the geological introduction is a compendium of the distribution of volcanoes of north america active and recent which is the best that has ever been presented this is most instructive reading and will be exceedingly useful to the future student who will take up this subject and pursue it more extensively for there is no more tempting or more profitable field for research on the part of someone who has means and opportunity than a systematic exploration and description of the north american volcanoes especially those of mexico and central america and the caribbean islands into thirty-eight pages the author crowds a valuable compilation of the known facts concerning the central american volcanoes sixty-four of which are enumerated only eighteen pages are given to the volcanoes of mexico including those wonderful giants of the new world popocatapetl ixtacahuatl sinantacatl tuxla perote etc which lie almost at our very doors and are so accessible to all who are in search of knowledge it seems somewhat disproportionate after so briefly describing the sites of greatest north american volcanic development that ninety pages should be given to the relatively trivial and mostly prehistoric volcanic phenomena of the united states but when we consider that these are here more fully and comprehensively presented than hitherto attempted we feel grateful to the author and overlook his brief consideration of the more typical north american volcanic areas it would have been well had professor russell included on his map and in his text some mention of the latter which stretch across the eastern gateway of the american mediterranean 
and of the volcanic cinder cones perhaps the most perfect in the united states occurring east of the rio grande in new mexico and since he included dead volcanoes also the stocks of southwestern texas the only ones of the kind so far as we are aware occurring within the southern atlantic coastal plain of the united states as a whole professor russell's work is thoroughly commendable and will not only prove a welcome addition to the library of those scientifically inclined but will accomplish much in the laudable direction of placing within the hands of the layman a most readable treatise upon a technical subject r t h end of section five end of the national geographic magazine volume nine december eighteen ninety eight